With the 25th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Can't believe it, Fran. One week away from our trip to beautiful Indianapolis, Indiana, the site of the 2019 NFL Scouting Combine. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast. I'm Chris McPherson, joined alongside by the aforementioned Fran Duffy. And uh, Fran, it's go time. It's your home away from home. It is my home. I spend more time in Indianapolis than any other place outside of Philadelphia and uh, the surrounding region. Yeah, that's your your baby. It is. I'm excited. Can't wait to do it. It's a great trip every year. It is a fun time and uh, just so much, so much great content that we're going to be getting for fans out there. Uh, We're going to hear from head coach Doug Pearson. We're going to hear from Howie Roseman while we're out there from an Eagles standpoint. We're going to get a chance to interview the the top draft prospects. We're going to be down there. Uh, watching the workouts up close and in person. We're going to be delivering uh, podcasts every day from Indianapolis. So we, we've got a lot coming your way. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. So we'll have the, the preview pieces uh, that I've been writing have been going up every single day. So the yep. offense was all last week. Uh, the defense, we're in the middle of it today, uh, or this week rather. So uh, you'll have plenty to read up on before the drills get going here in just over a week. But it's, uh, it's coming. It's coming fast. All right, so we're doing things a little different this week. We're not going to have... A Mr. Relevant. We're going to have an expanded draft buzz with Tony Pauline from draftanalyst.com, kind of going position by position, previewing the combine. Our pick six is going to be six players we're most excited to see work out in Indianapolis. We're going to do something a bit different. We're going to have our unofficial visit, and that's going to be New Mexico State linebacker Tell Hanks. We'll have your questions in our draft mailbag, of course. We're going to bring back a classic. It's an oldie, but a goodie. On the clock. It's back. I'm going to put Fran on the clock. I have 10 scenarios. Ten different props here, and he's going to give his uh, his take here. I'm excited. So we'll see we'll see how he does. Some right. some stuff on the field, some stuff a little off kilter. So okay. it's, a, it's a little mix of everything. All right, there. I'm excited so. for it. I have no idea what. The, no, what, I, I I have a second piece of paper that I've been trying to like make sure it stays hidden this right. whole time, so he can't see the uh, questions. I gave him a couple things to kind of brush up on, so he's not completely blindsided. Yeah. All right, but you know. But there's a couple. Things I've got a I couple want. notes, but I'll, I'll be ready. I want some. Cur- I do want to c- throw a couple curveballs and right. see how you react. Yep. So, all right, let's get this party started. Let's go into draft buzz with Tony Pauline. Now it's time for draft buzz. All right, back for another edition of Draft Buzz. None other than the man from DraftAnalyst.com himself, Tony Pauline. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Tony Pauline. And, and Tony, this is going to be a di- bit of a different episode a bit of a different draft buzz because we are one week out for the NFL scouting combine we get to see these underclassmen up close and personal so many storylines to delve into we figure let, let, why don't we go position by position kind of hit on a key, few key topics at each spot and, and if there's a place or two where you want to kind of go long-winded you have the room to do so sounds good and I have a tendency to go long-winded although people usually can't understand what I'm saying but let, let's give it a whirl all right, we'll start at the quarterback position. All right, Mel Kuyper came out with his second version of his mock draft, and we've talked a lot in recent weeks about Kyler Murray from Oklahoma, where he's going to go, and Kuyper has him being mocked number 13 overall to the Miami Dolphins. Do you think that's about the range where he'll go? I think he'd go anywhere from 7 to 20. I have him 15 to the Washington Redskins. Miami Dolphins just hired a uh, defensive-minded uh, head coach. I don't know that he's going to – you know, want to select Kyle Murray. Uh, I don't believe for a second the Arizona Cardinals will take him uh, at, at the top of the first pick of the draft. 
There's some talk that the Raiders are intrigued with Murray, but I also know that they like Dwayne Haskins. But at this point, I think it's just checking the boxes to see if they can get an upgrade over Derek Carr versus actually looking for Carr's replacement. So, you know, depending on what goes on the next couple of months, I could see uh, Kyle, Kyle Murray going as early as 7. I could see him falling into the early 20s. Tony, any word on, on how many of these top quarterbacks will or won't throw uh, at the Combine? I know that's been a storyline over the last few years and all, every year going into the Combine is which guys will throw, which guys won't. We had a stretch where a lot of the top signal callers backed out and didn't throw, but it seems like the momentum has kind of gone the other way now. We're seeing a lot of the top guys decide to participate. Uh, has there been any buzz either way going into this event? Yeah, and why not? Because if you don't have a good throwing session at the Combine, you still have your Pro Day to fall back on. You throw well at the Combine, you really don't have to do too much at the Pro Day. But if you skip the Combine, and then you don't throw well at your uh, Pro Day, you're in trouble. You know, other than Murray, who's kind of on the fence as to whether or not he's going to throw at the Combine, I've not heard any of the QBs who are saying they won't throw at the Combine. I've not gotten that uh, uh, sort of that feeling that any of them won't. Well, I guess we'll find out in the next couple of days. All right, let's go to running back uh, on NFL.com. Lance Zierlein and Daniel Jeremiah, they did an exercise where they went through every team and picked a player that each team should pay close attention to at the scouting combine. And their selection for the Eagles was a running back in Alabama back, and not Josh Jacobs, who some people are mocking to the Eagles at number 25, but Damian Harris. Your thoughts on Damian Harris? You know, I think he'd be a good fit for the Eagles. He's a bigger guy who can pound it down the middle, and they like that type of ball carrier. He's not a true perimeter runner. He's not going to get around the edge, but that's okay. He's a solid pass catcher out of the backfield. He's also a very good blocker. He's a much better blocker than Josh Jacobs, uh, which I think at this point that's something the Eagles want. I could see all the Eagles also looking at Dre, you know, in that capacity as far as a player that they should pay close attention to. Draymond Jones is a name, as is Cody Ford, someone that a friend and I talked about, I believe, back in November. An intriguing guy who can play, potentially play right tackle, can play guard. So I think if Ford is a guy that they're looking at, it's probably more of a trade down a few slots rather than take him at the end of round one. Tony, who's the running back that everybody's going to be talking about when we leave Indy? We know that somebody's going to run the really good 40, someone's going to have the great overall workout. Who is it that everybody will be talking about when we're leaving the Combine? I'm going to give you three names. First, Mike Weber of Ohio State, a guy that you know I've been on for, for two years now. I think he's going to test much better than anyone expects. And I think people are going to be buzzing about both running backs from the University of Memphis, Tony Pollard and Daryl Henderson. I think Pollard's going to turn in a blistering 40. I think Henderson's going to have some, not only turn in a good 40, but he's going to turn in some good shuttle times and really do well in the drills. Uh, a lot of people very excited about Henderson. All right, moving on to wide receiver. A bit of big news broke on Monday, Tony. Marquise Brown from Oklahoma. It was revealed he will not take part in the combine after undergoing surgery uh, to repair Fran's ex-girlfriend, Liz Frank. Uh, he suffered the injury in the Big 12 championship game. He did play through the national semifinal loss to Alabama. Uh, he's still being mocked in terms of going to the first round. Mel Kuyper has him going 12th to the Packers. How do you think the injury and not taking part in the combine and his pro day as well will impact his draft stock? Well, it's going to hurt a bit because, you know, when a guy's that small, you want to know what he runs. Now, on film, he's a blazer. He's a guy who consistently gets uh, downfield and opponents can't stop with him, uh, can't stay with him. I don't think he's a Packers type of receiver. Right now, I think good spots for him would be number 20 to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who look like they're going to part ways with Antonio Brown, or number 22 
to the uh, receiver star of Baltimore Ravens. Tony, I, I think it'll be interesting just because with Brown, I think a lot of people had him penciled in before this injury, before the news that, oh, you know, mid to late first round. Oh, could he fall now to the second? I think it's much more likely now that we're talking about him as more of a lock for that end part of round one, like you're saying, like the in the 20s. I think there was a chance that he would have gone much earlier had he run, but uh, I, I agree with you. I think you're still looking at him in the 20s. Well, Tony, we've talked a lot as well about these bigger receivers, guys like Nikhil Harry and Kelvin Harmon and A.J. Brown and guys like that. And I know you've got some news about Nikhil Harry, the wide receiver from Arizona State, and how he's looked so far uh, during his pre-combine workouts. The news is not good. I'm told that uh, Harry was very reluctant to run 40 times during training. When they ran the 40 times, he wouldn't show up. I'm told that his vertical jumps have, be- uh, have been between 27 to 30 inches. And he basically, I believe a week and a half ago, switched trainers and went to a different, uh, entirely different uh, training facility. So right there, that, those are some red flags. And with a guy like Nikhil Harry, as we talked about, you know, he's a bigger guy who's got to show that he can do more than just win out for the contested passes for the uh, 50-50 throws. So as, as, you go to, as we get into the combine when the uh, receivers take the field on Saturday, you know, three things could happen with Harry, and, and two of them are bad. Number one, he runs and he doesn't run well. Not running well means slower than 4-5-5. Number two, he doesn't run at all, which is going to be a big red flag. Or three, he runs and he runs a, a reasonably good time, which is 4 5 2 or below, but right now I'm not hearing good things as far as Harry's concerned in his combine training. I hear it's a bit scattered, it's a bit, a bit all over the place. We'll have to wait and see what happens a week from Saturday. Tony, looking at the offensive linemen, who do you think has the most to prove in Indianapolis? It was a great showing at the Senior Bowl in Mobile a few weeks ago, but with all the underclassmen coming into the mix, who do you think has the most to prove there in Indianapolis, whether it's on the field or in the medicals or with the team interviews? Uh, well, I, I mean, there's a couple of guys, but I, I think the one who's going to surprise the most is going to be Titus Howard from Alabama State, who was very good at the Senior Bowl. He's very athletic. He probably moves better than any of the uh, any of the offensive linemen who will be on hand at the uh, combine. So I think Titus Howard, with a good athletic workout, a decent forty time, and again with decent forty time, you're looking at somewhere in the five flat range with a good ten time, decent shuttle times because those shuttle times in a three cone will tell you. You know, if you can use him in a pure zone-blocking system, I would expect Howard to really do well in all the athletic tests. Sure, he's going he's to uh, interview reasonably well and come out of the uh, combine with higher draft grades than when he went in. Tony, how high do you think he can go? You know, I have him right now as a second-rounder, uh, as a uh, late second-rounder. The question is, if, does a team believe he can play left tackle at the next level? Because if a team believes, yeah, we can stick this guy and we can play him at left tackle, I think he can go top 45. If they say, no, he's a right tackle or a guard, it's going to be a, a bit depressed. Uh, so it depends, again, I, you know, how he looks in drills and how he times in the shuttles and, the th- and as well as the three-cone, how he moves. And I, I would expect some good things because one thing about this guy is he's very athletic. Going to the edge rushers, you, you've actually been all over this story from the jump, and you can read more at draftanalyst.com. Uh, Louisiana Tech's Jalen Ferguson, along with Mississippi State's Jeffrey Simmons and Colorado State wide receiver Preston Williams, they've been offered modified invitations, which includes a participation in medical exams as well as the team interviews. Why do you think the NFL has kind of uh, changed its stance, or whether it's the NFL or the National Scouting Combine, the people running that, that have changed their tune with allowing these players to come to Indianapolis after they were initially 
uh, had their invitations rescinded because of previous off-field incidents. Yeah, well, combine officials who are also made up of, of NFL general managers and some people from the NFLPA, I think they found themselves in a jam after taking back Ferguson's invitation. I mean, the in- incident in question for Jalen Ferguson happened more than four and a half years ago, and, and the incident was basically expunged from, his legal, uh, from the legal system, and he has no criminal record. So if you're looking back on situations where a guy doesn't, uh, doesn't have a criminal record for an incident that happened four and a half years ago, and you're going to take away his, uh, uh, his combine invitation, well, you know what, there's going to be a lot of people on that list. I know of other people who are still invited to do the entire workout that have done things that are much worse and have uh, criminal records, uh, that have criminal records as compared to Jalen Ferguson. So I spoke. So I think they found themselves in a jam when they pulled the uh, invitation on Ferguson, and they had to kind of, uh, kind of reverse course. One team I spoke with who told me they were very interested in Jeffrey Simmons, uh, and this was before his injury. They said they wanted Simmons at the combine because they want to ask him the tough questions. They want to make him feel uncomfortable, or they want to uh, ask him the uncomfortable questions about his prior incident to see how he, he would react. So they could draw their own conclusions as to whether or not it was a one-time incident for Simmons, which it seems to be, or whether it could be an issue moving forward. So you're not only penalizing the player, you know, you're penalizing the team. The bottom, you know, the bottom line is this is the end result of the combine being commercialized and, t- and being turned from what was a closed scouting event into a marketable four-day spect- a spectacle for the league. And I think the bottom line is, is I understand what the combine is doing, and I agree with them to an extent, but they have to lay out written rules as to what they will and what they won't accept, and those rules have to be applied equally to everyone. Because going back to Ferguson, what's going to happen is, and I said this on my own podcast, as we get closer to the combine and even after the combine, you're going to hear about some of the prior incidents from players who were at the combine, and people are going to ask questions as to, well, why was he there working out, but they pulled the, uh, they pulled the invitation on Jalen Ferguson, who got into a fight four and a half years before, the combine, uh, before his combine even started. Tony, is there an edge rusher that uh, kind of piques your interest going into this event as somebody that you expect to test really, really well that maybe not enough people are talking about right now? Well, number one, I think Cleveland Farrell is, is, really, uh, is very much underrated by people. I think Landis Durham of Texas A&M, I would expect some outstanding uh, workout times and, and some testing results from him. Durham's kind of fallen off. I mean, entering the season, he was given a, a potential top 45 grade by scouts. Didn't have the season he expected. If you watch the film, he's good out of a three-point stance as well as standing over tackle. Uh, so that, that's, uh, that's another guy I would expect to, uh, after the combine, come out, come out, uh, leave the combine with a higher grade than when he went in. All right, going to the interior defensive lineman here, Tony. Quinn Williams from Alabama is your number one overall prospect. Do you think that he'll be headed to Arizona with that number one overall pick, especially since there are rumblings that Robert Kimdichie, the former first-round pick out of Ole Miss, could be on the cutting block? I think it's, you know, I think it's absolutely a possibility. Williams is a good player now who's got tremendous upside. I expect an outstanding combine workout for him. I know he's very excited about it. I've been told that Kendichi is likely to be released with an injury settlement, uh, suffered an injury late in 2018, isn't even going to take the field. And even before the injury, he was very disappointing uh, for the Cardinals and not very high on him. So I think it fits well with uh, cutting Kendichi uh, via an injury settlement 
and then bringing in Williams as the number one pick of the draft. What is it about Williams that stands, has him stand out more than, say, uh, Josh Allen or, or Nick Bosa in this draft class? He's more of a three-down player. I mean, Josh Allen, people are looking at him as an edge rusher, which I don't see on film. And I, I'd like to get the Fran's take on this because when I watch Josh Allen on film, can he rush the edge? Yes. But he also gets wiped out at the point of attack on running downs. He's, he's a guy who's got to beat the uh, beat opponents with an inside move or, or, or with his hands because he can't, he's not stout at the point. Doesn't mean he's not a good player. I think he's going to be a terrific 3-4 outside linebacker that can stand up as well as play in space. As far as Nick Boza, I, I think Williams is much more explosive on the inside uh, as an interior pass rusher, as a guy who holds up against the run. Boza is probably a better pure pass rusher, but I think uh, Williams is more of a three-down player against the run and the pass. I agree with you, Tony. I think when you look at Joey Bosa, or, uh, or Nick Bosa, excuse me, I think you look at him as a different tier than Josh Allen. And I think with Allen, I agree with you. I, to me, and this is just my opinion, there are way too many snaps where he's getting blocked one-on-one, You know, sometimes by tight ends, and not getting past them, not getting to the quarterback, not getting to the ball carrier. Um, and I, it's just something that was a consistent issue. You watch him against Georgia, and, and there was something that showed up time and time and time again. I know he was really productive this year. I know that the athleticism is there. I know that you know he's only been playing you know off the edge full-time for a few years now. He was a high school wide receiver who made that switch over to defense full-time. But I do. Th- I, I agree with you. I, I'm... I am surprised to see that it's the, the, still at this point in the process we're talking about Josh Allen as a top three, top five player. Although, that being said, you talk to people around the league, and I know, I know you do obviously as well, you talk to people and it's like, some people are just in love with Josh Allen. It's like, yeah, like he, could be, he should be a top three pick. He should be a top three pick. But you talk to others and, and you know, they'll, they'll bring up some of the same concerns that you and I have. So he's a, definitely a, a polarizing player in this process. Situation is the the teams at the top basically play a, a four man line, and I just don't think that Josh Allen is a four man is a is a hand in the ground four man line type of player. I think he's going to be a very good player, but I think he's a scheme specific player in that he has to stand over tackle in a three four type of system where he can be used as a pass rusher up the field, where he can be dropped off the line, can be used in space, maybe occasionally come out of a three point stance. But if you put him in a three point stance in a four man line. There's just too many times that while he'll be a good pass rusher, he's going to be a liability defending the run. Tony, going to off-the-ball linebackers, uh, Rob Rank from NFL Draft Scout wrote this about uh, LSU linebacker Devin White, saying, with all due respect to Roquan Smith, the 2017 Buckus Award winner and eighth overall pick last spring to the Chicago Bears, Devin White was arguably the top linebacker in college football each of the past two seasons. What's your evaluation of Devin White to this point? Well, I still like Roquan Smith slightly better, although, uh, you know, I'm not going to take anything away from, away from him. I have White right now in my mock draft going number 11 to the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't think he's going to go much higher than that. He's basically what the league wants in a linebacker these days. Slightly undersized, but explosive, very fast, can get from point A to point B quickly to make the plays. You know, guys like Devin White in the past were looked at as traditional weak side linebackers. Same thing with Roquan Smith. But you stick them on the inside, you let them run to the ball, they get to the, they get to the action quickly, and they make the play, and that's what teams want. I mean, we're not going to nitpick. I don't have Devin White as a, as a top 10 pick right now. I think in large part because there's so much talent on the defensive line, because you've got his teammate Greedy Williams there, and you're going to have at least one, if not two, quarterbacks there. 
uh, as opposed to last year when we had four quarterbacks. I don't have uh, Devin White as a top ten pick, but but I, I think they're similar type players. I think everybody kind of has Devin White as the number one linebacker, and it seems like everybody's in consensus that number two and number three are Devin Bush from Michigan, Mac Wilson from Alabama in some order. My question for you, Tony, is from the, the people that you've talked to, your sources around the league in terms of talking with scouts and, and uh, you know, people that work with NFL teams, how do most people have those two stacked? spoken to has Mac Wilson way ahead of Devin Bush, and it's not even close. I mean, Devin Bush is a very good run defender. He stacks well against the run better than Mac Wilson, but Mac Wilson is much more of a three-down defender. You know, Devin Bush is a liability in pass coverage where Mac Wilson isn't. Devin Bush is a bit of a liability dropping back into space and in pursuit. Mac Wilson isn't. Uh, so I, I think Mac Wilson's athleticism and especially his versatility to be kept on the field on third and five in coverage situations or even a run def- uh, defend the run or, or blitz up the field puts him ahead of uh, Devin Bush from people I speak to, and I'm going to tell you, I agree with that. All right, Tony, transitioning to the defensive backfield, let's start with the cornerback position. Is there a prospect in particular you're looking forward to seeing light up the turf in Indianapolis? Jamal Peters of Mississippi State, a guy who came into the season with uh, a top 100 grade. I still have him graded as a third rounder. A lot of people think he's a last-day pick. Six one and a half goes between 210, 215 pounds, runs and plays in the mid-4-4s. If you watch him on film, he, he beats down opponents to defend the pass, but he's also got solid ball skills. Was supposed to play in the Shrine game, but uh, he's a little banged up. We'll see if he runs at the combine, because I'm told that that leg has been a lingering issue for him. But if he's, if he's healthy, I'm really looking forward to watching him uh, perform, because you know he's one of those guys at the defensive and the at cornerback that's over six foot tall and is very athletic. Uh, I really like his style of play. If he's not medically red flagged, I think he's going to go a lot earlier in the draft than people expect. Tony, we've seen a lot of buzz on the Vanderbilt corner, Jawan Williams, a big kid, over six foot one, uh, to over two hundred and ten pounds. What have you heard from him in talking with NFL teams? Yeah, and I'm told he's looked terrific in, in combine training. He's been, been very impressive. Yeah, over the summer, if you follow me, I gave him a top 75 grade based off of his uh, off of his sophomore film, and I haven't cha- I haven't changed that. People like his length. They like his feistiness. He's got decent instincts. He's got decent ball skills. They really want to see his 40 time, and the 40 time will determine whether or not he's a top 50 uh, selection. You know, is it a situation where he's not fast or he just loses in transition turning to run with the opposing receivers or trying to get his head back? Uh, but, but he's got great versatility. He's the type of guy who can play corner. You can put him on the inside at safety if you want to. Uh, a guy who has got a, a huge amount of upside. I think the 40 time for him will determine where he ends up in the draft. Tony, when we were at the Senior Bowl, you reported, I believe, that it was a shoulder injury that kept Mississippi State safety Jonathan Abram from participating. Uh, he was on, did an interview with NFL Toll Access on NFL Network and said that his combine numbers, quote, will blow people away. What have you seen during your evaluation to make you think that he's going to have an outstanding workout at Lucas Oil Stadium? He's very explosive. I mean, I mean a guy who's incredibly quick closes with excellent speed. He shows some violence on the film. Obviously, you're not going to test that at the combine. Decent range. You know, the thing with Abram is, let's see what he does in the long and short shuttle compared to the other safeties and compared to some of the cornerbacks. Let's see what he does in the three column because 
his forte is not going sideline to sideline. He doesn't show great range in center field. But I could see him running a good 40 time with a good 10 split because he's got that great closing burst up the field on the blitz, defending the run, or even closing to the action. Tony, uh, last question for you for the, in terms of these positional questions. Uh, who's a safety that you think can really, really help themselves with a great athletic workout next week? Juan Thornhill of Virginia. You know, we know he's a good football player. We know he's got excellent instincts. We know he's a hard worker. But there are questions about his athleticism, his speed in both a straight line as well as, as laterally. What are, what are, what's his 40 time going to be? What's his shuttle time going to be? Right now he's a third-round guy, a late third-round guy, who could move into the top 70 selections with a good workout at the Combine. And last but not least, uh, we've talked about Mel Kuyper's mock draft a little bit already, Tony, and every week on the podcast we do a mock draft roundup, so we'll do Kuyper's. And for the Eagles at number 25, he has them taking a cornerback, Trayvon Mullen from Clemson. Your thoughts on that selection? Big fan of Trayvon Mullen. Last summer I graded him as a potential first and second round choice, which is exactly where I have him now. He's got excellent size, he's got excellent length, he's got solid ball skills, at times, he's a little bit difficult to, uh, to scout on film because opposing quarterbacks just didn't throw his way. He's got a good combination of physicality as well as ball skills. So I, don't think, I, I think that would be a good pick depending on who else was available to him. I think it would fit a need. I think he's, a, he's an Eagles type of cornerback. I think he's a good player now that's got a ter- terrific amount of upside. Your thoughts, Fran? I haven't studied him yet. Okay. Yeah. So um, the corners are last. They're going to be later this week. Gotcha. So look forward to seeing that as well as the other position profiles and previews. If you haven't checked them out already on Philadelphia.com and the Eagles have the defensive tackle one just dropped a short time ago before recording this. So, Tony, one week away from Indianapolis. We'll see you out there, sir. Absolutely. Thank you so much. As always, again, Tony Pauline from DraftAnalyst.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Tony Pauline. Up next, pick six, six players who are most excited to see workout in Indianapolis. Now it's time for pick six. Great stuff, as always, from Tony. Um, can't wait to catch up with him out there in Indianapolis. Again, uh, DraftAnalyst.com, one of the best in the business from an insider standpoint, always has great insight and info, and uh, he's going to get tons of it while he's out there oh, in yeah. Indianapolis. So definitely make sure to follow him on Twitter and keep listening for more updates here on the Journey to Draft podcast. But up next here, pick six. Six players we're most excited to see work out in Indianapolis. I'll let you have the honors, Fran. Oh. You get to go first. So uh, I'm going to go with a player that we just talked about with Tony. Okay. Uh, and he it seems like he's not as high on this guy as I am, and that's Michigan linebacker Devin Bush. And Bush... I mean, he's a guy. I know Mac Wilson. Mac Wilson is a, a pretty much a freak show at, you know, in terms of his athleticism, but Devin Bush is no slouch. I mean, this guy, in terms of the straight line stuff, I mean, I, I would expect that he's going to test well in the forty. I would expect that, expect that he's going to jump well. The linear stuff, I, I'm really, really excited about Devin Bush. Now, the shuttles that might be it might be a little bit of a different story. We'll, we'll see that uh, you know come to fruition there. What's that Sunday uh, in terms mm-hmm. of drills at the combine? But I think Devin Bush is one. Number one, I'm excited to see it because I think he's going to be really good in some areas. But number two, it's going to be big for his draft stock. If those shuttles can be, even if they're serviceable, if they're not really, really bad, I think that will do a lot for his draft stock. All right, my first player, we've talked about some of the big receivers earlier in the show with Nikhil Harry and the insight that Tony Pauling was able to provide. Well, we're talking about freak shows. How about DK Metcalf mm. from Ole Miss? And, you know, we saw the highlights on the field before he suffered that scary neck injury. Apparently he's been fully cleared. He's going to be participating in the drills at the Combine. But after that 
ridiculous photo that went viral about I think we were talking about on last week's episode of the podcast. How is he going to test? Okay, yeah. you know, obviously you you know he can win those jump ball situations, those contested catch plays, and he's able to stretch the field. But you know, does he have a little wiggle to him? How's he going to do in those shuttle drills, the three cone drills? So uh, I'm excited to see. Th- him physically up close and personal, but also how does he maneuver in some of those drills? Yeah, I think that's a, a good one to to point out. A lot of the ways, you know, kind of similar to Devin Bush, and say except exactly. for the receiver position, I think a lot of the straight line stuff with Metcalf is going to be aces. I mean, yeah. you know, forty yard dash, the jumps, he should be excellent. Now I want to see what those shuttle times look like for Metcalf. Uh, my next one is going to be Montez Sweat, the, okay. the pass rusher from Mississippi State. I would put Cleveland Farrell in this bucket as well. I think the, you know there's these a lot of these defensive ends where we want to try and get a sense of how athletic are you? Because mm-hmm. you watch both those guys really on film, and it's like, all right, big-bodied kids, they both use their hands well. You could tell they're coached well. They, yep. they have a plan of attack against offensive linemen. But are they really top-end explosive? Do they really have that ability to win with their first step? Are they freak shows turning the corner with flexibility? With both those guys, I'm not quite sure. So I think with, with both guys, you want to see, like, all right, how are they going to test? I think that will answer some people's questions, or it'll just bring up more questions. I was surprised you put him down only because you got to see him up close and personal at yeah. the Senior Bowl. So. I think the, you, with athletic testing, you know, it, you could start, paint, uh, start painting pictures. You know, that's something we talked about uh, over on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast with Josh Norris, we, you know, that episode that he was on a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, and Josh, says, uh, he, if it were up to him, he would wait until the combine is over for him to start watching guys. Uh, you know, I don't know if I am all the way in that on that yeah. level of it, but I yeah. think uh, you know that can help start to paint some pictures for some of these players. It's it's for teams that have certain measurables that they have to have. Right. You know, it's like if he doesn't come in at a certain height, weight, speed, and certain. Position drills. Yep, you just kind of eliminate them and don't bother wasting your time watching because you don't want those exceptions uh, all over your roster. So my second player here, I picked. We talked a little bit about him uh, with Tony. Uh, I actually vividly recall we were on the flight back from Mobile. Speaking of the Senior Bowl, and you're watching tape, you were watching. I think Tony Pollard from Memphis, who we saw at the Senior Bowl, but you watched Devin White. The LSU linebacker, and you got all giddy as you're like holding the like reaching across the, the aisle, wake it up, the wake it back up. Yeah, to, to show to show me, and you know, you just go on Twitter and you look at the highlights of him flying to the ball. Absolutely ridiculous, yeah. and I can't wait to see that up close in person at the turf at Lucas Oil Stadium. So, uh, obviously, I think Tony made a great case as to why he probably won't go in the top ten picks this year, but. Maybe that'll change after his athletic testing in Indianapolis. But he's someone who I'm excited to see out there in Indy. I, I know Eagles fans are probably like, I want guys who are going to probably be there at 25, have a chance to be there at 25, and I know that's not going to be the case with White. But still, you want to see some of these freak show athletes perform in Indy. Well, I'll, I'll kind of wet the palate for the Eagles fans that are excited about okay. the player because uh, this is a guy that, one, I know a lot of Eagles fans are excited about. It's a position that a lot of Eagles fans are excited to hear more mm-hmm. about. And it's a position, honestly, and this player was very much involved with this. I, had, I was torn when I was writing my preview pieces, and I got to the, the workout warrior section for running backs because <laughs> Devin Singletary from FAU, I think he's going to test very, very well yep. uh, on film. He's got all kinds of juice. You know, he's very dynamic. But Daryl Henderson from Memphis is really explosive. I think he's probably going to run the best 40 of any of the running backs in attendance, I think when you look at him, there are shades of Dalvin Cook, you know, in terms of the, his play style, what he can do. I think Cook was probably a little bit better between the tackles, 
But, man, like you look at, at Henderson. This kid can fly. He's outstanding on those perimeter runs outside the numbers, uh, those sweet plays that the Eagles love to run. This kid would be awesome on those kinds of plays. So uh, I'm, I'm very, very excited to watch Henderson work out. I think he'll probably be one of those guys that we talk about, man, like he really helped himself at this event. Very. It's actually going to be uh, maybe a question I have for you come up later on Ooh, in the podcast. Right. But uh, my last player here is, uh, speaking of your combine preview pieces, the defensive tackle one, again, just went up a short time ago before we recorded this, and your workout warrior there was Houston's Ed Oliver. Did you watch that video? What's that? Did you watch the video I sent I did you? not. No, I didn't get a chance to watch oh, that. Oh, man. So no, I did. No, there was a workout drill. Yes, the of him like drills. Yes, yes. It's like him running like defensive back drills yes. at 280 pounds. Yes. And it, I like... I remember watching that back in the summer and thinking, like, well, this guy is an alien. Yeah. Like, the way that he moves is, it's too, is ridiculous. For, for a guy, you have to put in context for his size. That's yeah. the thing. The man that size to be as fluid and as agile as it is is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely. Uh, it's funny. You mentioned the struggle you have with selecting a workout warrior when you have two – or any of these yeah. you know, titles when you have two closely named ones. You'll have your list of like other people I expect to test yes. well. It's like, it's like you don't want to leave one of your kids out. No, like, I can't. I love these five other players. And it's like Well, especially at that position, at defensive tackle, because there are like yes. six guys, and I'm like, all these guys are going to test really, really well. Um, that was one of them for sure. Yeah, I, could tell, I, I could tell when I'm editing these pieces how torn you get over <laughs> them. So uh, Those are our pick six. Six players we're most excited to see work out in Indianapolis. Up next, we bring back On the Clock. On the Clock. I'm not going to know until I listen to this. Do we actually have a oh, drop? Oh, yeah, of course. Come on. I mean, I'm assuming. I, I wouldn't think we would do this segment unless we had a drop for it, but it's, it. been, it's been a while. Yeah. On the Clock. So on this lovely piece of paper right here, for those of you who are watching can see it up close. Okay. Oh, on old, YouTube. Old note. Look, I type in Notepad. I will confess this. I work in Notepad. I don't go and work. He does work in Notepad. I work in Notepad. Okay, to begin things off. So in Notepad, uh, I started with I kind of had a few extra, will them down. But basically, we're going to go through. I, I think at the end of here, I have ten scenarios. Okay, I'm going to work through. Originally, I was going to just do over unders. You know, over under for so and so doing the forty right. four point five seconds. Have you take it? Uh, you know, I. I want to have a little bit of fun with this. So it's not all just straight 40 times and things of that nature. Okay. Some things I had to trim that I thought maybe were a little too This takes us back to, like, I mean, episode one, episode two oh, of Journey yeah, the Draft. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. All right. all right. So we've talked about Kyler Murray quite a bit the last few weeks. Yes. Okay. So it's a two-part question here for number one. Okay. Going to give you over, under for height and weight. Ooh. Okay. Do you need another piece of paper? To no, I'm good. Write? Okay. Over, under for the height. Five foot nine and three quarters inches. What I'm going to take the. I'm going to take the under because they're making it sound like no, he's, I'm gonna take not the gonna under. Be, he's not going to be five ten, but he take, could. I'm going to take under five oh nine six. Okay, you're taking under. Yep. Over under on height weight. Or I'm sorry, on the weight we obviously did the height two hundred and two pounds. Right. So you're going off the report from his agent. Yes. Yeah. So his agent uh, Eric Burkhardt came out and said that he was over two hundred. I, well, I was, thought actually right, was he, he was going to be two hundred five. Yeah, what see, I, like, I am. I'm taking the under. Like, really? uh, I, uh, oh, you said two hundred two, right? Yeah, two hundred two. I'm, t- I'm taking the under. Nope. The only way I see him be coming in and over that is if he decides that he's not going to work out. Gotcha. But maybe I'm wrong. We'll All see. right. So, Kyle Murray over under, under and height and weight. Yeah. All right. Up next, we'll go forty times here. Okay. 
Back in 2003, Arizona State guard Regis Crawford set a mark you don't want attached to your name. The slowest in recent memory of 6.07 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Slowest since 2003. Yeah. Even worse than, uh, what did did Deronio Wilson... Oh, De- DeJago Wilson. Wilson coming. <laughs> yeah, he was like five flat, wasn't he? It was. It was up there. Any threat of that mark being broken? No, no. Okay. I think. I think the guys this year, in this day and age, they're we're past that point. Okay. Because uh, even like Orlando Brown last year was was really he was bad. Five, like he was, eight. He yeah. was like five eight. I right. did look up Orlando Brown to look for comparison. So okay. so six point oh seven. That yeah, was, no one's that'll be that. safe. Uh, will the top forty time this year be set? By an offensive or a defensive player? The only guy I think has a chance on the defensive side, in terms of the guys that I'm aware of, because there are a bunch of corners that I haven't studied yet, is Jamel Dean, the corner from Auburn. Okay. But I'm going to say it's offense. I I think it'll be offense. It'll take it home. Interesting, because just going to last year, only three of the top 11 times were by offensive players. Okay. Offhand, could you name any of them? So last John Ross. Year, oh, this is last years, year. This is yeah, last, last year, 2018. Um, so, so top 11 times. Top 11 times last three year. Three were offensive Oof. players. Yeah. Um, DJ Chark. That is correct. Uh, ding, ding, ding. Oof. Yeah, I'm going to, for uh, the sake of good podcasting, yeah, I won't, I'm going to say, you, I'll take I'll, 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 so I'll Naheem Hines Naheem and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Ah, that's right. Okay. Uh, the... Second best time last year's combine, 40 time, was 4.34 seconds. 4.34, okay. Okay. Do you think the fastest time this year will be better or worse? The best time last year. Let's make it exciting. I'm going to say that the best time will be better than 4.34. 4.34, okay. The best time a year ago was 4.32. Dante Jackson, Denzel Ward were among the players who tied for that. All right. Let's go to a vertical jump for a moment here. Okay. Will a prospect surpass 42.0 inches in the yes. vertical jump? Yep. Okay. Last year, Terrell Edmonds and Mike Isicki had 41.5 to lead okay. all players. Uh, Chris Conley, back in 2015, wide receiver out of Georgia, had a 45-inch yep. vertical. Best one of recent history. So you will go over 42 inches. Yeah, I'm going to go um, Paris Campbell. Okay. I'm going to go uh, DK Metcalf. Okay. Um, Hakeem Butler. So you, you think it's, it's easily done? Yeah, I think, uh, I think a few of those guys are going to challenge it. Gotcha. Speaking of Mike Kosicki, true or false, there will be a freak show performance out of a Penn State player. We had Chris Godwin yeah. a couple years ago. We had Saquon, yep. Barkley, and Troy Apke. Troy Apke, yeah. Last season, as well as Kosicki. So will there be one this year? There will. This is a, this is actually the question. There will be a freak show performance out of a Penn State player. True or false? Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go false. I think I'm going to go false. I think they're going to test better than expected, but I don't know that we're going to walk away saying like, "Man, like Miles Sanders blew the doors off the combine." Gotcha. Yeah, so I'm going to say false. I think they will test better than expected because that's kind of how the Penn State players have rolled over the last few years. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, up next here. Uh, this actually ties into your um, 
NFL comparison in your defensive tackle combine preview. Okay. Okay. Who did you I did Rennell Wren yep. to Chris Jones. Yes. And he had a notable combine performance, not for the reasons you would want to have, typically. That's true. Over under on Chris Jones like wardrobe malfunctions. Doesn't have to just be that. But any type of wardrobe malfunction, I'll set it at zero point five. I'm gonna take the under. Okay. For all of our sakes. Okay. That would be good. Uh, over under is something that happens every season, unfortunately, and uh, it's one of the events I think a lot of people wonder why they still have it. Over under on bench press injuries, injuries. Mm. one and a half. I'll take the under. I'll take the under. Yeah. I, I do wonder if more people will not do that event, but mm-hmm. it seems like the players. I think the players get more juice out of that than anybody else. Certainly. Honestly. So that was your over under there. Okay. Uh, two more for you here. Take a lot of unders. I know. I, I do a good job setting this. Uh, next one, fill in the blank. Blank will emerge as the biggest winner of the NFL scouting combine. Ooh. Um, I'm going to give you one on each side of the ball. Okay. Wow. Above and beyond here. I'm going to go Rashawn Gary for okay. uh, for defense on offense. Part of me wants to say Darrell Henderson, but I'm going to say Paris Campbell. Really? Yeah. I think Campbell's going to test really, really well across the board. Which is interesting because there have been some mocks that have him going as late as the sixth round. So what, The thing with Paris Campbell is, is that this is, this is his event. Like This yes. is where he's going to shine. He is a guy that he's kind of like a no-man's land as a receiver because he was, because just because of how he was used. I mean, he, he was a gadget guy for Ohio State, jet sweeps, shallow crosses, scream game. I mean, that's, that was kind of his, his bread and butter. Not a proven uh, route runner over the middle of the field. Not a guy that you know can settle into the soft spots in zone coverage. Like that's just not what he was asked to do. So mm-hmm. it's a projection. Was not a deep threat, he, despite his skill set. Was not a proven deep threat. So that's a projection. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I think that's. So you're kind of like, all right. Well, what what are we going to do with a Paris Campbell? That being said, guys with his skill set. I mean, DJ Chark wasn't like a finished product either, and he went early second round. Yeah. So uh, I I don't think he's going to fall to round six. Okay. Uh, last one here. Little, little, little fun one here. Yeah. Uh, involves 40 times. Three times, Rich Eisen of NFL Network has crossed the six-second threshold in the 40, including a 5.97 a year ago. Will this be the and fourth year? And that beats the, the kid from 2003. Yes. That's embarrassing. <laughs> That's bad. Wasn't going to bring that back yeah. up, but yes. Is it going to happen this year? Yeah. Does he break six once again this year? Yeah. You know why? Because I think that he's going to – they're probably going to bring Mike Mayock from the from his team meetings oh, wow. and have him hold the watch, and he's going to have to that'll show out good. for his friend. That'll I think be that's good. what it is. That'll, that'll be They're going to have to bring like Mike, Mike back. That that should clip that video, this part of the video alone, for when that actually happens. I, I think that's a good call on your part. We'll see. There. So, uh, Fran, it's on the clock. On the so, clock. That's what I got for you. On the How clock. How I do? There. We'll find out. We'll find out. I guess we'll in a couple, weeks. couple of weeks here. So, uh, transition a, a little more because. Fans can't get enough of Fran, so we'll get a little more of him in the unofficial visit with New Mexico State linebacker Terrell Hanks from the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. The unofficial visit. Here now with New Mexico State linebacker Terrell Hanks. And Terrell, for fans who have yet to watch you play, give us a quick scouting report of what you'll bring to the NFL. Well, first, Fran, um, people who 
watching me to play, you know, the first thing they see is a big guy, you know, somebody that could fly around and hit, you know, be vocal and have a good personality. Yep. You were a four-year starter there in New Mexico State. Talk about just how much that experience has helped you uh, get to this point. Well, that, that experience helped me a lot because, you know, I was able to adjust really fast. I played as a true freshman. And, you know, I, once I got into that system with Coach Doug Martin, I knew that, uh, you know, his mentality was to play with a chip on your shoulder, and that's the type of mentality I have. What's one of the, the strengths you feel that, you know, maybe fans don't necessarily think about, but it's one of those things that's so important to, you know, being, being successful at the linebacker position and really being as successful as you are playing that spot? Uh, you know, what people don't understand is when you play a linebacker, it's, it, you know, it's a tough job, responsibility. You got to be able to run, you got to be able to cover, you got to be able to tackle. You know, for me, you know, by the grace of God, I have all three, so it's been great. What's your, of those three roles, what's your favorite of the three? So run, cover, blitz, I mean, all the different things linebackers ask to do. What's your favorite thing to, to accomplish? I like to hit. Yeah. I could, t- I could tell that from practice that you had a couple nice sticks today. Uh, what, what is it about, uh, you know, just kind of laying that hit on a guy? Because, I'm, look, I'm not that big. I, I'm, not, I'm never going to do what you're able to do. What is, it, what is that like, let the, the watcher, the viewers at home? Uh, just that sound, that click of the pass. You know, you hear that, woo. you know, that's that, that's that good feeling you've got. From the, uh, the feedback you've gotten from scouts, what's one area that, you know, you have to prove for yourself moving forward the next couple of months? Uh, be patient, you know. You know, uh, uh, read my keys better, you know. And uh, as long as I just move forward, you know, I, sh- I got nothing to worry about. If I mess up, play fast. Well, Terrell, appreciate the time. Best of luck thank the rest of this friend. week and best of luck throughout the next couple months. Thank you. Thank you. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. Coming down the stretch here, it's time for your questions in our draft mailbag. But before we get into them, I have to give a shout-out to uh, Melly Mel, Melissa Kelly. Behind the Glass, doing a phenomenal job producing this week's episode of the Journey to Draft podcast. But let's get into your questions. And the first one, uh, our friend Richard from the Apple Podcast page, yep. he's left a few uh, comments for us of late. And again, easy way to get included in the podcast is to rate and leave a comment. Simple enough right there. Is it possible to get one of the Eagle Scouts on as a guest just to discuss the evaluation process a little bit and where the board is pre-combine and where it may go post-combine? Any of their insight would be appreciated. Well, Fran, you've beaten him to the punch here. I yeah, I have, and I know Richard. Richard knows this because he I, he has been listening all through that throughout the fall. But for those um, who haven't, if you're just joining the show, if you just joined a few weeks ago, you may say, "Man, that, that's a really good question, Richard." And guess what? I've got answers for you. Exactly. If you go back to episode 135, which was just a, a couple of weeks ago, this was January 21st, we're down at the Senior Bowl, uh, Pat Stewart, who's a national scout for the Eagles, came on the show. We talked about the scouting process, but mainly the All-Star game, so you can get a sense there. Then you go back to uh, early December, and that was when I had Anthony Patch on. He's yeah. the uh, d- senior director of college scouting for the Eagles, and we talked about what it's like going on the road, uh, just life as an area scout. Patch is a man. Patch is great, I and mean, he's been with the Eagles for a long, long time. Yep. So um, really gracious for uh, the time that he spent on the show. That's episode 126, so go back December 5th this year. You'll hear that interview. Then if you go back a little bit further, go back to right when we kind of rebooted the show. So back in August, episode number 111, this is August 20th from 2018, Ian Cunningham, the other director of college scouting for the Eagles, um, mm-hmm. who a lot of people think is, is a rising star in this business. Uh, you know, He came on and we talked about the entire draft process in general from really the spring 
all the way up through the following spring. So uh, if you really want to get a sense of actually what Richard just asked for, which is just talking about the whole evaluation process, that might be the one for you. But I would encourage you to go back, listen to all three interviews, and really get a sense of what life is like at different levels of the scouting business. I don't know if we're going to get another scout between now and the draft. I I think we might, but I don't want to promise anything that I'm not positive on yet. But uh, those three interviews may uh, wet your whistle a little bit. And you actually uh, caught up with Ian Cunningham at the Senior Bowl. I did. So there's a one-on-one video interview. It's not a full-length podcast interview, but still four or five minutes, which is some great insight into what goes on at the Senior Bowl. So definitely want to check that out as well, as well as your one-on-one interview with Joe Douglas, That's which right. kind of which takes us through the end of the Senior Bowl to where we're at to right where we now, now. Yep. Uh, just before the Combine. All right. Uh, did this come from Apple Podcasts as well? Durst? No. This is this one actually came from uh, our oh, oh, the, the wide receiver oh, preview. Com. Yeah. This is a different like, different spin here. Wow. Okay. Never. This is a first here. And I, if I had read the tease, I would have been able to see where it came from. That's right. So that's why I do all that work. Again, Fran puts together the combine preview position preview articles, and in his wide receiver one, Durst commented, "Loving these positional previews." Has a question. Long-time listener of the Journey to Dread podcast, even though he's not an Eagles fan, uh, probably no fewer than three times have you referenced how the NFL has devalued the big receiver and specifically how guys like Alan Lazard, Auden Tate, and Simi Cobbs were hyped by many as high-level prospects last year, but each fell to the bottom or completely out of the draft. Uh, you kind of implied that you were trying to figure out, Fran, but as your research changed your opinion regarding these bigger receivers, if it's all about creating separation – how slow is too slow? Is three cone time more important than forty time? Your thoughts on that? Uh, so I haven't finished my research. I'm still putting together my thoughts. I will give you a little bit of a, a sneak peek, though. Every year, uh, I know one of uh, our favorite podcasts put together. One of my favorite podcast discussions, and I know a lot of the listeners agree, is the conversation I have with Greg Cosell at the Combine for Eagle Eye in the Sky. Because we yep. just kind of pick a topic and we just go. And it's uh, we're a few weeks removed from the NFL season. We've been watching college tape. Let's pick a theme and we'll just go. I have a feeling it's going to be on this topic because it's something that's really been kind of sticking with me over the course of the last few months. Uh, And watching these big receivers again this year – starting to kind of feel a lot of these the same feelings and it's like okay like Nikhil Harry and you know Kelvin Harmon and some of these other guys they're big Hakeem Butler they can go up and they can win but can they create their own separation uh, and I think that that's something that is going to be an interesting topic to discuss so uh, keep an eye out for that discussion with Greg Cosell over on the Eagle on the Sky podcast not finished my uh, research of it yet as far as the three cone over the forty, I think a lot of people would say that that's the case regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that the game. You know, look, yeah, forty yard. It's not rare. It's not common for people to be running forty yards play in and play out in the NFL. You're much more likely to be running inside of a uh, ten yard box like you would uh, in the three cone drill. But that being said, uh, it's a very very interesting topic. Uh, in fact, Roto World has a series. I haven't had a chance to really delve into it, and I apologize. I don't know who's written the series, but it's basically. These are the numbers that really, the testing numbers that really matter mm. for each position. Interesting. So okay. I haven't had a chance to really delve into it, but something I might give a look at uh, over the week uh, leading up to the combine here. Uh, on Twitter, from across the pond, at Dennis Doss asks, Fran, could there be a wide receiver out there for the Eagles who's like a Cooper Cup? Uh, he listens all the way from Berlin. So lots of love out there to uh, Berlin. Uh, cousin Abby, who's in Munich oh, with Mark and uh, nice. their two kids. So much love to them as well. So, uh, yeah, I think regardless of what you're looking for at wide receiver, I think that there are options. You know, if you're looking for that big-bodied guy to make plays outside the numbers, 
they're there. If you're looking for a big body guy in the slot, they're there. Uh, the speedsters, the undersized slot guys, the possession receiver, the, they're they're all in this draft. Um, the, the amount of juniors that declared, I think, really kind of supplemented the depth. And now you've got options, really, with, with whatever you're looking for. In terms of somebody who's like a Cooper Cup, I think you know you look at guys like Farrow Cooper. Uh, Farrow Cooper. Uh, I'm thinking of Farrow Cooper yeah. because uh, he was he was number one in that draft. Number yeah. two, uh, his predecessor Debo Samuel, uh, who in ways is kind of like Farrow Cooper. Um, Debo Samuel uh, is a guy that that I really really like. I don't think he's a pure speed speed guy. Not like Deshaun Jackson, Tyreek Hill, kind of like you know take the top off, play and play out. But certainly has the speed to work vertically. Um, can work in the middle of the field. He's really tough. He's great after the catch. Uh, I'm a big big fan of Debo Samuel. Um, in terms of another guy who reminds me, there was a guy that I remember. T- ben Fennel was in the in the office last week, and we were talking. And there was someone that he said, "Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Cooper Cup." And I can't remember the name of the receiver. Off the top of my head, and who we were talking about, but um, there are a lot, a lot. Like I said, go back to it. There are a lot of receivers uh, in this draft that can kind of cater to whatever need you're looking for. Um, we'll talk about it more so next week when we do our our daily uh, recap of the there was the skill guys that Saturday. Indeed, a couple more here. We'll get through real quick. At P Edgar KSU wants to know: Does the lack of touches for Josh Jacobs concern you? Um, no, it doesn't. I think in a lot, that's why you get a lot of the comparisons to Alvin Kamara because Kamara was kind of the same kind of deal. He was more of the backup throughout his college career uh, and obviously has gone on to NFL stardom. I don't think that that scares as many people away. In fact, you know, the, with the fact that he's got more tread on his tires, I think, has more people excited about Josh Jacobs. You study the traits, and with, when you look at the traits with Jacobs, there's a lot to like. I mean, the kid, he's a big kid. He's athletic. Uh, he's a finisher. He can make the first man miss. He's gotten better as a blocker. He's a really, really impressive receiver. Uh, can be used in a lot of different ways in the passing game from that respect. There's a lot to like there with that kid. And he played He played core special teams. Uh, you know, it did a lot for them. So I think when you look at Josh Jacobs, uh, uh, certainly you're expecting that his best football is ahead of him and he can be a feature back even though he wasn't that guy in, uh, for the most part at Alabama. Great questions, and uh, there's some more we won't be able to get to today. We'll save them for the positional uh, recap uh, podcast next week, which, uh, again, a week from now will be in beautiful. I'm sure it's sunny. I'm sure it's glorious. Indianapolis. You think so? Indiana, I bet it is. Sunny in uh, 17? 17. I was mm-hmm. going to say the only time I was ever colder in my life, Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's really the only other time. Yeah. So. Again, thank you very much, everyone, for listening out there to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Again, rate, comment, review wherever you listen to podcasts, and definitely subscribe because when we're in Indianapolis, we're going to be doing daily podcasts, previewing and recapping the 2019 NFL Scouting Combine. Fran, any uh, final words? Uh, at Sticks5212, Terry McLaurin, very interesting possession type receiver, great route runner, had a great week of practice at the Senior Bowl. I told him I would get him on the podcast. I want to oh. make sure he snuck it in there. Oh, my bad. So I, all right. you, should have start, you should have put it at the top then. If, I, well, we've got to give love to the people that go on Apple Podcasts. So. That's true. So my, snuck, I snuck it in there. So, Russo, I got you. My apologies. So, if it was starred here, I know. That's fine. So, right. uh, until next time, for Fran Duffy, I'm Chris McPherson. You've been listening to Journey to Draft Podcast. We will see you from Indianapolis next week.